For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This is Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. It's time to awaken an entire nation. I'll be a dog till I die. Between the hedges, look it fly. 90,000 in the stands, I'ma do my dance, make it look fine. Coach, put me in the game. UGA, yeah, the name. Yeah, the offense gonna turn up, but the defense gonna win us the game. Here's your host, Corey Burton. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. You can find the show at Believe in Dogs on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram mainly. You can find me at Coach Burton 36 on Twitter. You can also find me, Corey Burton, on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, we've got a great show lined up for you today. As I just said, I'm your host, Corey Burton. I'm flying solo. But we got lots to talk about as the SEC season looms uh, on the horizon. Uh, so a week from Saturday, uh, Georgia kicks off at Arkansas, and uh, we also have a full slate of uh, SEC games to mix in with the ACC, Big 12, and uh, and all the mid-major conferences. So today we're going to talk uh, some UGA quarterback breakdown. We're going to we're going to update you on that situation. Uh, Nolan Smith is very confident in. The defense says uh, says a really nice, uh, encouraging quote. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, talk about college football week one, uh, some games that were played, uh, some things that we can uh, that we can discuss and talk about that were uh, disappointing and some teams were surprising in a good way. Uh, the Big Ten has some big news yesterday, uh, and we'll get into that. And then, of course, we will make some picks, and uh, I will tell you exactly what not to bet. So. Speaking of betting, uh, our our uh, sponsor. This show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. So I made my first NFL bet last week for for Week One action. I took the Buffalo Bills minus six and a half, and I took the under, which was set at thirty nine and a half. And uh, the game went over. I did hit the spread. Uh, the, the The Bills won by ten, and I hit the spread. And uh, I I picked the Bills correctly in the Survivor Series contest that they have on Bet Online, but I I missed the over and under, so I took a two two uh, two bet parlay on that. I missed the parlay, and then of course I uh, I missed on the the prop bet that I made with the uh, Houston Texans game. I said both teams would score over twenty four and a half points. That did not happen. Uh, the Texans got off to a slow start. They scored twenty. They were close, but uh, not quite there. The Chiefs held up there into the bargain though. So this week, I uh, got some uh, got some interesting game picks there. Uh, I made a bet uh, with the Rams minus one, uh, and I, I took them uh, also 
I took the game to go over 40 and a half points. I think uh, I think both offenses, the Eagles and the uh, Rams, can put up some points. So we'll we'll see if they combined if they can both uh, eclipse the 20 point mark. We will be good to go on that. So uh, for game spreads, totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. That never closes. And uh, I played some uh, some blackjack, uh, I guess, like right before I went to bed one night. And so uh, that's that's a testament to that. So head to betonline.ag. Take full advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So, um, yes, hopefully I'll have a better week betting this week. Um, again, um, I'm taking the Rams minus one, and I'm also taking the over on that. I'm also looking at some of the other lines that in the NFL that I'm going to potentially bet the college lines this week I do not like them uh, way too big of point spreads I'm going to avoid those uh, I'm going to take a look at some of the prop bets and see if there's anything I'm interested in but I'm pretty much going to stay away from college football there might be a couple of games I might be interested in we'll get to that a little bit later um, I'm going to appear on another podcast illegal motion college football podcast later on uh, that's a show that's back up and running that was uh that's a comprehensive uh, college football show that includes myself, uh, Matthew Perkins from the Believe in Vanderbilt Football Podcast, and Josh Cook, who uh, we're trying to recruit to the Believe Network. Uh, he is an Iowa Hawkeye, so maybe uh, maybe they could be looking for that here since uh, since there's some big news in the Big Ten that we'll get to. All right, let's talk let's talk UGA quarterback battle. Okay, quarterback breakdown. So uh, a quote earlier in the week, uh, Kirby came out and said that. You know, no quarterback has really come out and taken charge. Uh, no quarterback has has really stepped up and stepped into the reins of the job. JT Daniels is not quite clear for contact. He didn't participate much in the scrimmage. It was mostly Dewan Mathis and Carson Beck and Stetson Bennett that got most of the action. Uh, Dewan Mathis, according to the reports, and we talked to Brent Rollins and Dane Young about this on our Monday show. Uh, Dewan Mathis led all quarterbacks in first team reps. Uh, looked great, and uh, also Carson Beck. Did well with his reps as well, so uh, it's an interesting battle because I think that you know we talked about Dewan Mathis, we broke down his game, we we've talked about everything we could talk about about Dewan Mathis and what he brings to the table. So I don't need to spend too much time uh, refreshing your memory, but you know I, I think that you know a lot of people, a lot of people are worried if he takes over the quarterback role that he won't do well and he may struggle. Uh, he may struggle early on, but. You know, I think you know. Anytime you're a new starting quarterback in in the SEC, you're going to go through some growing pains. I mean, Bo Nix he had a great game against Oregon to to kick off the season last year, but then he went through kind of a stretch where he struggled. And uh, the bad part about this is is that Georgia's schedule does not align for a brand new quarterback to really struggle. And and I think that kind of worries me in this situation where uh, that you know you have a new offense, a new quarterback, a new way of doing things. And you open up with Arkansas, which, you know, it is what it is, but it's a road trip, so it's always tricky. Uh, then you come home to play Auburn and then Tennessee, two games that early in the season I, I don't think you want any part of. Now, Auburn's offense, it's best to get them early in the season because it takes them a minute sometimes and you can catch them um, as they're getting things cranked up. But Auburn's defense has always been always been great, and that's always been a tough defense to play against. And, and uh you know they they do a tremendous job over there. They lost two giant pieces, literally and figuratively, in the middle of that defense. But you know they still got Popo. They still got a bunch of guys that we talked about on uh, on Monday's show. So they're going to be a scary, scary defense, uh, nonetheless. Kevin Steele, uh, I think, does 
an outstanding job coordinating that defense and getting them to make plays. So uh, for, for the quarterback position at Georgia, whoever that is, if JT Daniels gets cleared and wins the job, if it's Dwan Mathis, if it's Carson Beck, who is the, who's the raw freshman, or even Stetson Bennett, who has an outside shot. I don't know if there's any props on betonline.ag uh, for the quarterback situation at Georgia, but uh, my money, I'm gonna, I would put it on Dewan Mathis uh, to win the job. And I think the dynamics that Dewan Mathis brings, of course, is he's that dual threat guy, and he's gonna, you know, hopefully that, uh, you know, hopefully he uses that to his advantage because, you know, when you get in trouble, and in a new offense, you could be in some trouble early on. Uh, you're gonna have to kind of make things happen with your feet, and I think Dewan Mathis gives you the best chance at doing that. And he can make all the throws. I mean, we forget that he was committed to Ohio State for a long time. And there's one position that Ohio State doesn't really mess around with evaluations on, and that's the quarterback position. Uh, they've had some very, very talented quarterbacks coming out of high school, and for whatever reason, they, they didn't develop. You know, like, you, you could look at Tate Martell, but Tate Martell didn't lose a game in high school, and, and he was at Bishop Gorman, and, and he, you know, he did what he did in high school. Uh, he just never really got a chance to develop because he's transferred and, you know, whatever the case may be, he, he might have been uh, one of the rare busts that uh, that Ohio State had in their evaluation. And uh, and technically he doesn't count because he transferred as soon as Justin Fields transferred in. Um, you know, they did a great job with Justin Fields last year. Not a really hard thing to do, but um, he fits into their offense really well. Uh, but the play calling was good, and, and the situations they put him in uh, were were advantageous. Uh, you have Dwayne Haskins, who's starting in the NFL. Say what you want to say about Dwayne Haskins. Uh, he is a starter in the NFL. He's one of 32, so uh, that has to count for something. And then, you know, all the quarterbacks that have had success, they have, they, they again, they recruit great college quarterbacks. That doesn't necessarily translate to the NFL, but I guess, you know, that's not the end-all, be-all. Um, you know, you'd like to get them to the NFL, and you would like them to be successful, but, again, that's not the end-all, be-all. But they know quarterback talent, and they know what, what helps win in, in, in the college game. And, and I think DeJuan Mathis has that. And, you know, JT Daniels, I think, has it too. Um, he's kind of – his offense that he ran at USC was more similar to to what uh, Todd Monken does. So um, I, I think we're in a good situation. I don't know that – you know, I don't, I don't know that you could call any quarterback, come, uh, whoever's starting, I don't know that you could call them stellar, at least early on. I think it's going to be something where – you know, you're going to rely on your defense, you're going to rely on your run game, and you're going to try to do things to help this quarterback move along. Now, you have the pieces around you that we talked about. Uh, George Pickens is always a uh, get-out-of-jail-free card. He's, he's somebody that's going to go up and, and get the ball in space. He's going to get the ball in the air. He's going to pluck the ball out of the air. He's going to come across the middle and make some tough catches. He's going to, I mean, he's going to make every catch you can, you can possibly make. He can, he can do just about anything you, you ask him to. Um, he is, uh, I've seen him compared to A.J. Green with, but with more attitude. So um, you got that as a weapon at your disposal. Jermaine Burton apparently is is uh, surging in camp. We talked to Brent Rollins about that. So if you uh, if you want to know more about that situation, check out our show from this past Monday. So uh, whoever wins the uh, quarterback position, um, obviously is going to you know win a tough battle. But uh, they're going to struggle, and, and I'm going to expect them to struggle a little bit. And, and hopefully the defense can uh, can help that situation hopefully the defense can keep the other team out of the end zone which is a good possibility uh, nolan smith was quoted as saying we're going to cause a lot of havoc now there's that word again havoc kirby smart used that a year ago havoc we want to create more havoc and, and what he described as havoc plays is tackles for loss sacks forced fumbles interceptions uh, pass breakups things that you know put teams behind 
the the chains and behind the and, and off schedule. So uh, Nolan Smith said we're going to cause a lot of havoc this year. Uh, that's that's a that's a word that that's a buzzword that Georgia fans are kind of like ooh he's using havoc. But um, I I think it's going to come true this year. Uh, last year maybe not so much. Uh, there was a lot of uh, inexperience or a lot more inexperience last year than there was this year. Uh, coming in now, you have a whole bunch of guys that are ready to start because they've gotten uh, significant snaps. Maybe not as starters, but they've gotten significant snaps as uh, as reserves and coming in um, on the second string. So uh, you got a lot of guys that are ready to play at, at the SEC level. So I'm very confident in this defense. I'm extremely bullish on this defense. I think Nolan Smith is going to be part of the part of the havoc that's going to be caused. I think uh, Aziz Ojalari is going to going to wreak some havoc. I think Jordan Davis is going to be a standout. I think his backup Jalen Carter. You're going to have a hard time keeping him off the field. He's going to make plays, maybe not early on, but I think, you know, I think two or three games in, I think you're going to start to see a lot more Jalen Carter. I think Monty Rice, Quay Walker are going to be two linebackers are going to be tough to deal with um, as, a, as an offensive line. I think, uh, you know, Richard LeCount is going to be somebody back there uh, that that's going to be just, um, you know, just a nightmare for offensive coordinators, opposing offensive coordinators to try to plan against him because, again, as I said, he is unspectacularly elite and um that's a compliment so you you can take that as a compliment but um he is uh, he's just johnny on the spot he's always there he's always in the right spot he, he's a sure tackler and 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 anybody he anybody he goes uh, against contact wise or they're gonna hit the ground and so he, he's just i mean he's solid he, he's 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 solidly elite he's outstandingly uh unshockingly Elite. So uh, this defense is going to be scary good, I think, and I think it's going to help uh, having the a defense of this caliber as your new offense moves along, which may have some bumps uh, along the road, but it's going to help this this offense kind of move along and give them chances to develop, especially early on, because I, I think you know it's hard to it's hard to win games if if you don't score points, and I think this defense is going to limit the points. I mean, they were averaging twelve point six points per game that led the country a year ago. Now they come back with more experience is that number going to go down i don't know that would be i mean again that would be that would be scary so uh you know i, I think george is poised i think they're poised for a great season um and, and i'm not just saying that because i'm I'm an avid georgia fan I, I i think they have the pieces to to make you know to make it really hard on on any opposing offense i mean you look at florida i don't think kyle trask can get it done i don't think he's i don't think he's the right quarterback they got a lot of talent around him but I don't think he's the right quarterback. Um, you know, defensively, I think they could give give Georgia fits, and, and I think that's going to be an interesting matchup, and that's going to be a really tough matchup. And whoever wins that, obviously, is probably going to win the East. But I just don't think they quite have the pieces in, in, in the right spots to to compete with the team like Georgia, especially uh, when Florida's offense is matched up against Georgia's defense. I think Georgia's defense makes every matchup a nightmare for for our opponents, I, I think this Bama team has lost too much on the defensive side of the ball. I think they're going to be, uh, I think they're going to be beatable, you know. But Bama's Bama, so that game honestly could go either way. I mean, every game could go either way, truthfully. But I, I think you know, you look at some of the key games that Georgia has. You know, you have that week two against Auburn. Uh, that's going to be a tough one, but I think they pull it out. I think it's going to be a slugfest. I think it's going to be one of those low scoring ugly wins, but I'll take an ugly win any day of the week. Uh, Tennessee is a very pesky team. They're getting better under Jamie Pruitt. Their recruiting is improving significantly. Uh, Guarantano is a veteran quarterback. Say what you want about him, but he's a veteran quarterback, and, and he does have a presence. 
Uh, I don't know what they do with that position. Uh, they got Harrison Bailey, who's who's sitting back there. Um, they got um, Brian Maurer. They got you know Brian Maurer or however you pronounce his name. Uh, they've got some they've got some options at quarterback. I don't think they quite know what they want to do with that position yet. But uh, they have an elite offensive lineman who's going to be an early first rounder. Trey Smith, I think, is um, he's special. He's a special talent there at offensive line. Uh, they have a great running game with uh, with Eric Gray and Ty uh, Ty Chandler. Uh, I've seen Ty Chandler uh, up close and personal. He played here uh, in the Nashville area. I've seen a lot of his games, and uh, he's a special talent. So Tennessee's a very pesky team. Uh, they lose a lot of, of leadership with Juwan Jennings. Uh, they lose Marquez Callaway, but I think they have some talented guys in the wings um, at the receiver spot. So uh, you don't know a whole lot about Tennessee, and I'm, interesting, I'm interested to see how that game plays out. Uh, Kentucky is a team that is very tough, and considering where they are on the schedule, that – that game scares me. I said it on Monday. Uh, that game scares me because you know they were a ten-win team last year, and they had a receiver playing quarterback. So just think when they have a regular offense uh, that could be clicking on all cylinders by the midpoint of the season. Um, you never know what's going to happen there. And playing in Lexington is not an easy place to play. Uh, I don't know if we will. Ha- I don't know if uh, stadiums will be able to have a significant number of fans by that point. Um, but it's always a tough place to play. It's always a tough road trip, and Kentucky always plays extremely hard. And they're going to be really good on defense again. Uh, they're going to be, uh, no, they're going to be good on offense. So if you want to know more about Kentucky, just check out the podcast I did with Vinny Hardy and Matthew Perkins. We did a Kentucky preview, uh, season preview. So go check that out. Uh, you know, Florida. We just talked about Florida. They're going to be, you know, that's going to be a pivotal game. Um, Mizzou is always pesky. South Carolina is always a game that. That makes you nervous. It doesn't matter how bad they are. For some reason, Georgia just seems to always play down to them when they're down, and then uh, you know sometimes can be a victim of of getting their tails kicked if they're really good. So um, we don't know what we have no clue what South Carolina is going to bring to the table, and and we have no idea what Holinsky is going to be uh, going to be like. We have no idea what they have, but they have Mike Bobo. Uh, they have a they have a legitimate offensive coordinator. So. Again, just by that nature, their offense should improve. Uh, how much? That's to be yet determined. Um, Vandy, uh, they're always pesky, but Vandy's Vandy. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I, I live in Nashville, and I, I wish Vandy was better than they were. Uh, they've got to figure something out, but they have two new coordinator uh, hires that they made that I really like. I I jumped in on uh, the very first debut episode of the Believe in Vanderbilt Football podcast. We talked about uh, their coordinators, uh, Todd Fitch and Ted Roof. Um, both guys that are uh, that are very good. I think Ted Roof is a chameleon. He will use his talent to the best of his ability, uh, and I think that uh, Todd Fitch is going to be somebody that hopefully uh, in his in this Power Five stint. Well, I say hopefully for Vandy's sake. Um, hopefully for Vandy's sake, he, he's he's pretty good. So uh, you know, listen to Believe in Vanderbilt football podcast. Go listen to episode one if you want to hear my and episode two if you want to hear my take on their coordinators. Uh, but they're going to be pesky as well. So. You know, you look at Georgia's schedule, you, you try to match up kind of how the flow of that schedule is going to go with the development of our team. Obviously, the defense is the strong point of this team. Obviously, offensive line, uh, we've got some veterans coming back. Jamari Sawyer goes over to left tackle. Uh, that's going to be kind of new, uh, but we're looking for a new, uh, but the offense is looking for a new right tackle. So how that how that's going to go, I'm interested to find out because it could go one of two ways. It could be extremely slow, and that would be understandable because didn't have spring practice, brand new coordinator, no spring practice, OTAs were screwed up, and fall camp was kind of screwed up. Um, but we had this extended time based on the decision to 
uh, move back the practice schedule due to COVID. So who knows? Um, it, it'll be fun to watch it unfold. But you know, this 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 could be really bad um, to start out. This could be kind of disjointed to start out. Uh, you saw some of those uh, games in the ACC and Big Twelve that were extremely disjointed because of that. Uh, so it could definitely go that way, um, and nobody would be surprised or blame anybody if, if it did go that way. Um, or, you know, Todd Monken is a very good coordinator. He's been successful just about everywhere he's been. Uh, again, when I talked about him in an earlier episode, I, I mentioned that you can't count the Cleveland Browns debacle. Uh, that was just a mess all around. So you can't you can't count that. So what does that mean? Well, it means that Todd Monken, if he's doing this thing right early on, I think just to get whoever's at quarterback comfortable, they're going to have to find ways to get James Cook the ball in space. They're going to have to find ways to utilize George Pickens, and they're going to have to find somebody that's going to take the pressure off those two guys. Is it Zamir White running between the tackles some? Yes. Is it going more 20 personnel? Yes. That's probably going to be the case. You know, you get Zeus, you get James Cook out there. Um, I've heard a lot about uh, Darnell Washington or who they call the Big O, and who I might refer to as the Big O. He wears number zero. Um, he, he's, uh, he looks like an NBA player playing football. Um, so you gotta be able to find a way to use him. Uh, Jermaine Burton, Kyrus Jackson, you know, Tommy Bush, uh, Demetrius Robertson. You're going to have to, somebody in that list of people, uh, Marcus Roseme is going to have to step up. Uh, John Fitzpatrick, you know, what role does he play? You know, for, if we go run heavy, uh, to start out just to get this offense comfortable and moving. He's going to have to be somebody that's going to be a, a run blocker. Uh, you know, Darnell Washington's going to have to learn how to run block. Uh, I don't know if that he had to do a lot of that or if he was challenged a lot in that area while he during his time at Bishop Gorman. But um, they're going to have to find ways to use other weapons besides Cook and Pickens. Um, you know, and early on, try to create opportunities for Cook and Pickens by using those other guys and trying to achieve that balance. So, you know, you hope they figure that out in game one. You hope they've worked out a lot of the kinks in these three scrimmages that they've had, but you never know. And we'll see how it plays out next weekend. Um, going to have uh, Kyle Sutherland on uh, early next week to uh, to preview the Arkansas Razorbacks. We're going to preview that game. So that'll be a fun one. We'll get to know the Razorbacks, so stay tuned for that. That would be That'll be a fun episode. So uh, the defense, though, I'm not worried about them. And Nolan Smith is, uh, you know, they're going to cause a lot of havoc. I really love that quote. And I'll end this. I'll end this segment on uh, UGA, uh, the UGA defense, or just the UGA team in general, with saying we're going to cause a lot of havoc. I love that quote, and that's a great quote. And and I hope that comes true. And I hope the offense progresses. You know, and and I think that Dewan Mathis is going to do a good job because I think Todd Monken is going to find ways to set him up in advantageous and successful situations. So uh, that that's kind of how I feel about the offense, and and we'll see. Uh, but uh, you know, next week we'll, we will definitely find out, and and so I'm I'm excited about that. So uh, also, uh, college football kicked off last week, week one, uh, ACC, Big Twelve, uh, Conference USA, uh, I think the Mountain West, BYU played. BYU looked impressive uh, in their. I didn't really. I saw the box score. I saw some of the highlights. I didn't really watch that game, but apparently they looked extremely, per, uh, extremely impressive. Uh, the ACC was. Um, it was kind of up and down. Um, you know, you had teams like Louisville that looked great. Uh, Notre Dame, which I don't know if you count them as an ACC school or not. They're, well, the ACC's borrowing them for a year, or they're 
their leasing space. However you want to describe that, I guess their leasing space in the conference. Uh, but Notre Dame looked impressive. Um, obviously, Clemson is Clemson. Uh, they they were without Justin Ross. wasn't sure how that was going to go. Uh, seemed to go just fine. Um, Amari Rogers is great. Travis Etienne is great. Their defense flies around, uh, but they were playing Wake Forest, and so uh, Wake Forest. Well, it's Wake Forest. They lost a ton uh, off an already uh, not so great roster. Uh, Dave Clawson somehow makes has made a bowl appearance in the la- each of the last four years. So, if that's not Coach of the Year material, I don't know what is. Because that team is tremendously overmatched in most of the games they play in conference. And they were grossly overmatched against Clemson. And, and Clemson came out firing. And Clemson looked looked great. They looked in sync. They looked they looked like an elite, an elite football team led by a once-in-a-generational quarterback talent in Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Florida State, new coach, same problems. They didn't look great at all. They were disjointed. They, I mean, I... You know, it, it looked like it was uh, Marvin Wilson and then everybody else. You know, it, it was just, it it was bad. Uh, and, and they played a Georgia Tech team that, you know, is still rebuilding. And they had them down for most of the, most of the game. And that, that was to be expected because Georgia Tech, they're coming off, you know, they're coming into year two of a brand new system, brand new way of doing things. I mean, you had Paul Johnson for, what, 12 years? And you had all that triple option talent in. You had a very specific niche type football players in your program. And now you had to spend a year just trying to rebuild all of that and trying to change the culture and, and change the way you do things. Year one went okay uh, in that regard. Record-wise, it didn't. But, you know, that was to be expected. Year two, it's expected to improve a little bit, maybe make a bowl game. But... It's not expected to to make a significant jump, but I thought Georgia Tech was great in the second half. I thought they played really well. Um, I, I still haven't gotten to know any of their players. I was going to do a preview uh, of of Georgia Tech, but uh, SEC decided to go all-conference only, uh, so that Georgia Tech game got dropped. So uh, it doesn't look like I'm going to have to do it in an in-depth season preview of the Yellow Jackets, but they're, they're looking like a team that's on the rise. They're, they're looking much improved. Um, you know, they just, they looked more in sync. They looked like they were together. They looked like they were playing with more discipline. They looked like their talent level is starting to catch up. I, I think year three, they're going to be a really tough team to beat in that conference. Uh, and then year four, I think Jeff Collins is, is trending in the right direction. And that's hard for me to say as a Georgia fan and, and, and hosting a Georgia podcast. It's really difficult for me to say, I'll admit it. Um, but it's the truth. I mean, I think Georgia Tech is trending in the right direction. Jeff Collins is doing a good job. Uh, as cheesy as he is, it's working. And, you know, the guys play hard for him. You know, the coaches are bought in. The players are bought in. And they went down to a, you know, obviously they couldn't have, they couldn't fill fill the Doak uh, or Doak Campbell Stadium. But, you know, they I, I think they played went down on the road uh, and, and played really well and, and beat a Florida State team that I don't know how the heck they can't find a quarterback. How how can they not recruit offensive talent at Florida State? That just baffles me, you know. And and I don't want to take that win away from Georgia Tech because they fought hard to come back and 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 regain momentum and and come out with a win. But you know how has Florida State fallen this far? Um, you know, and and unfortunately for Tech fans, that's the story. You know, it's not about oh, Georgia Tech came back and won a hard fought game. No, it was FSU just completely collapsed. And I I don't know if that's just something that Mike Norvell is going to have to. Uh, is, is going to have to fix, uh, or 
or I should say, I didn't think that was going to be uh, as big of a problem as it was. I thought they would have played a little bit harder um, on the onset, but I guess some of the offseason drama that they had was uh, was kind of starting to show through, and you know they folded like a cheap suit in the second half, and and I think it's one of those things where are they fully bought in? I, I don't know. I don't know if they are, um, and and it's kind of sad to see because Florida State, uh, and you know, starting the late '80s. Uh, up until, I guess, 2003, and then they've had kind of spurts of of greatness uh, since then. You know, they had the they had the two or three years with with Jimbo Fisher, with Jameis Winston as the quarterback, where they were great. They they won a national championship, but um, they, I mean, they've just been ever since Jimbo left, they've been pitiful, and it it's bad. It's bad to see, and you know, it, it's bad to see a, a college football power like that um, be so bad. I mean. That that spear, the war chant, uh, Chief Osceola, all the traditions that they have are, you know, it's what makes college football. I mean, FSU used to be must-see TV. Now it's just they're probably going to be relegated to the ACC network. And, uh, you know, you hate to see that for a team like Georgia Tech, who's fought hard to get to this position to where they can say that they're trending in the right direction, but the storyline is actually Florida State. So what are the Knowles going to do? I don't know. They got to figure some. Th- they got to figure some things out. They got to do some soul searching. Um, and I, I don't know that it's you know, they just got to wash out all that culture. And you know, Mike Norvell has a project on his hands. He he did well at Memphis, so he's not a bad coach. But I just think he's got some work to do as far as changing that culture and and getting things in his favor and getting the players to buy in because you know there's there's some Taggart guys in there maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know what the situation is, but they they got some things to work on. Uh, Georgia Tech trending in the right direction, like that. Uh, Louisville, their game with Western Kentucky. I mean, I, I think you know, obviously, you got to take the the opponent for for what it is. It's Western Kentucky, but I think Louisville showed that they're pretty well coached. I think they they had a great game plan. Satterfield. I mean, you saw what he you saw the stuff that he did at Appalachian State. He made them um, he made them relevant. He made them a tough out, and and they played hard for him at Appalachian State. And I think Louisville is the same way. I think that. They're a school that should perform better than they had been. You know, they're, they're a school that I think can attract elite talent, but they just haven't. They've kind of underperformed and they've kind of underwhelmed. And since joining the ACC, you would think they get all these resources and uh, they would immediately become competitive because they were competitive in the Big East. I mean, not only competitive, but they were they were at a point where they were winning the Big East year in and year out, and they were getting people like Teddy Bridgewater and uh, guys like that. Um, in, in the fold. And so um, I think Devontae Parker was a was a, a Louisville Cardinal too. So I, I think under Satterfield, I think you're going to see their recruiting start to improve. I think you're going to see the product on the field start to improve. Hopefully they, they get rid of those awful uniforms and they kind of go, you know, anytime you say go more basic, that seems like it's a, like it's a slight. But I, I think in Louisville's case, I think they went too far on, on the spectrum the other way. So I think they need to come back towards the midline there and, and, and go basic and but you can do some unique, cool stuff to your uniform and still be relatively basic. So um, I, I think, you know, culture stuff like that, that's going to attract recruits, uh, style of play, uh, things like that. I, I think they're, again, they're a team that's trending in the right direction as well. I, I like I like what they're doing. I like how they're run. I think Satterfield, I, I'm a believer in, in, in Satterfield, and I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be a good coach there at Louisville. So uh, that's going to be a fun, fun game. They played Miami this week, so... We'll kind of really see what he's got. Speaking of uh, Miami, um, yeah. So 
the trend continues. Uh, Manny Diaz, not so great. Uh, De'Eric King, I guess they thought. I guess the Canes thought he was going to be a savior. Um, but you know, I, I'm not sold on. I'm not sold on Manny Diaz yet. I'm really not. I'm not sold on this Canes team, and it's a shame because Miami should. You know, Miami's won five national championships since 1984. I mean, they they were a dynasty. They were a destination place. They have. They have probably one of the most illustrious alumni list ever. And they have a great culture where these guys come back to Miami and work out. And work out at the U. And and so you can't recruit. You have Ed Reed as your chief of staff solely for recruiting. Um, and you can't recruit? Come on, Manny. You know, hopefully for their sake, and I say I say hopefully for their sake, but uh, you know, maybe they can get maybe they can get things turned around. I don't know, um, but uh, it, it's it's crazy, and and they got a they got some work to do down there as well. They they got some improvement to do. They got some soul searching to do. They've got to decide if Manny Diaz is the right guy for the job because there's some great coaches out there um, that are looming, especially in the mid major ranks that that would that would absolutely kill it at Miami if if they got the chance. Uh, there's a guy right up the road at FIU. Miami fans might know the name Butch Davis. If he ever got a return trip to Miami, Coral Gables, I think he could do a tremendous job. Um, I think there's a lot of guys out there um, that could possibly do a good job um, at, you know, at Miami. And so they've got some improvement to do, but they'll have a chance to do that, and they'll have a chance to make a statement against Louisville. Um, we'll we'll pick that game later, um, as Louisville is a two point underdog, which I don't know how they got that. Uh, maybe it's because Louisville's on the road. So. Um, also, uh, looking at, uh, looking at other ACC games, North Carolina, when they finally woke up, I thought they played really well. They, they poured it on in the second half. They, they got off to a really rough start, which given their off season, uh, timeline is, is not surprising. They, I think they had to shut down practice for two weeks due to a, a large COVID outbreak on campus. Uh, they've been kind of up and down in their training camp. So naturally they were going to get off to a slow start. Not surprising. Um, but they they turned it they turned it on in the second half. Sam Howell showed why he's why he's the draft prospect that everybody's talking about uh, behind Fields and Lawrence. And so you know North Carolina showed that you know they're well coached, they're resilient, they made adjustments, and and they finally woke up and and they poured. And I I realize it was Syracuse, uh, but you know again they did what they were supposed to do, and they, I think they ended up winning that game thirty thirty one to ten, I think is what it was, or thirty one to seven. I can't remember the final score. Um, but they they turned it on. They look they looked impressive um, for for most of the second half, and they finally woke up. and And I'm impressed with Sam Howell. I think he's a great quarterback. Um, also in the ACC, um, Duke I think played really hard. I think they're you know they're always a tough out. If if Cutcliffe is their coach, they're always going to be a tough out. I know they're going against uh, a bit of a buzzsaw with Notre Dame. Uh, I still can't believe Notre Dame is considered an ACC school this year, but uh, that that's 2020 for you. But um, you know, Duke is always going to play hard. Uh, they're going to be uh, they're going to be somebody to contend with in, in the ACC, and it's going to be interesting to see how they progress through their schedule. And I'm I'm curious to see how Cutcliffe navigates the schedule if he can get if he can sneak a few wins that he shouldn't um, and blow out a few teams that he should. So uh, that game that team will be fun to watch uh, down the stretch. Uh, also, some games that I uh, that I took a look at. Well, actually, that was that was the only other game in, in conference that I took a look at and, and watched. Uh, Big Twelve. Oklahoma, wow. Uh, Spencer Radler looked really good. Um, you know, you kind of had a weird feeling about him uh, after watching QB1, but 
Again, he looked like um, most Oklahoma quarterbacks do. It seems that Lincoln Riley is, uh, I think, is safe to say that he is uh, he's a good judge of quarterback talent. I think this is the first freshman quarterback. Now, he's a redshirt freshman, but he's the first freshman quarterback to start uh, in the Lincoln Riley era uh, because Lincoln Riley's had uh, Baker Mayfield uh, for two years, um, and he came in as a transfer. And then he had, uh, he had Kyler Murray and then went to Jalen Hurts, both both transfers. So both grad transfers, actually. And so uh, they, you know, they started a freshman quarterback. And, you know, I, I realized it was Missouri State. And, you know, it was one of those games where um, it was over by it was over by the, the end of the first quarter. But uh, nonetheless, they look to be in sync. They look to be hitting on all cylinders. It'll be interesting to see how they go through their Big 12 schedule which is probably, outside of Texas, not going to be very hard. Um, there's going to be a lot of teams that are probably not far, that are probably closer to Missouri State than they are Oklahoma. Um, and that's gonna, that, that includes both Kansas schools. That includes Iowa State. That includes Texas Tech. Uh, probably Baylor. I didn't see Baylor. Uh, I didn't see their score. I didn't see how they did. Um, but it couldn't have been too good. Uh, TCU, I just... You know, after all the mess that they went through with Gary Patterson, I don't think that that's going to be a very good situation. So uh, Kansas and Kansas State, holy cow! You know, Coastal Carolina comes in. If you're a Power Five school that just invested three hundred million dollars in new facilities, you cannot let a team like Coastal Carolina come in and absolutely dominate you. Now I know the score was a lot closer uh, than than that, or it seemed a lot closer, but it was thirty-five nothing at one point, and I think it was thirty-five nothing at one point in the second half. So how, as a Power 5 school coached by a, a, a former SEC head coach that has won a national championship and played for two more uh, in less miles, or maybe he played for one more, uh, either way, uh, how, is a, how is a team like that, led by somebody like Les Miles, that bad? They were pitiful. You know, they couldn't, they couldn't seem to find a way to get Puka Williams the ball. It, it, it's almost like they had never seen him play. Uh, their quarterback play was atrocious. They couldn't protect him. They couldn't stop Coastal Carolina. Number, you know, Coastal Carolina just looked like the Power Five team, and Kansas looked like the Group of Five team. Uh, looked like a bad Group of Five team, so to speak. So, you know, hats off to Coastal Carolina. I, I don't want this all to be a Kansas bash session, but holy cow, hats off to Co- Coastal Carolina. Uh, they played a really great game. Uh, they had a really, they had a really good plan apparently, uh, and they and they just went and dominated Kansas. You got some stuff figured out, man. Uh, I guess you got to regroup and try to win week two. Kansas State, same way. How you know Arkansas? How do you, you know how as a Power Five school with a head coach that I think he won five national championships in a row at the FCS level? I don't think you win five national championships in a row at any level and not be a successful coach or not know how to coach. But apparently, he has been square peg round hole at Kansas State, and he hadn't been able to get it going at all. And for them to look that bad in year two is a bit concerning. Um, and and maybe this guy's in over his head. I don't know. Maybe he should go back to the FCS level. I, I, you know, it, it'll be you know it'll play out obviously. Um, and and you'll look for for both teams and both programs to improve. Uh, Texas Tech also. Uh, I didn't really get, gather much from their game, so I can't really speak to that. But both Kansas schools, I, I think they need to figure. They have a lot to figure out. And they have a lot to to improve on, and so they're going to have to really work hard this week and, and really kind of get back on on the winning side, or at least just playing better. Uh, if 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 they continue to lose, uh, at least just trending in the right direction, because eventually you probably will win. But 
you know, they, they've got a long way to go, especially Kansas. Kansas probably got a, a longer way to go than, than Kansas State, but, I mean, both schools are uh, – just, that's just inexcusable, really, to be a Power 5 school and, and go through that. So, you know, whatever. Um, again, uh, it'll be exciting to see week two, see how these schools respond. Uh, it's all about how you respond. It's not how, you know, they got punched in the mouth. Now they got to figure out how to uh, how to punch back. And, you know, that's just going to be something they, they do or uh, or the next guy uh, that they hire will, will be tasked to do. So they got to figure it out some one way or the other, uh, especially Kansas, because they got they just invested a ton in football. They're a basketball school, obviously, but they just uh, they just invested a ton in football. So they're going to have to find the right guy. Is Les Miles the right guy? I don't know. Uh, maybe the Believe in Kansas Jayhawk football show will we'll talk about that. And full disclosure, I have no idea if there's a believe in Kansas Jayhawk football uh, show here on this network. But uh, if there if there was one, I'm sure they're having a field day with this. So um, some other big news. Um, I guess this is giant news, uh, and and we'll talk about kind of how the Big Ten handled this. But they're coming back. Uh, the target date is October 23rd, 24th that weekend. Uh, they're going to be set to return. I think they're going to play an eight game conference schedule followed by a Big Ten championship on December 19th. That will match the SEC championship on the same date, and then they'll qualify, obviously, uh, for the college football playoff. So, uh, the Big Ten reversal. Why did it happen? Well, I, you know, obviously with COVID, things change rapidly, and so you know, in in that same vein, things have changed rapidly in Big Ten country, and so they, I guess, they felt like whatever they were using to to um, to measure or to base their decision on. Maybe it was backlash. Maybe it was just for, uh, for movie purposes. I, I don't know, but, um, I, I think it's one of those things where I think initially they could have handled a lot better. I'm glad they're playing. I'm glad the big 10 is in. Um, uh, I think if everybody's playing, uh, they need to be involved as well. I think the PAC 12 needs to jump up, jump back in. Um, but you know, I, I think this, you know, both of those conferences, I think handle this about as poorly as you could, because you had a chance to just say, okay, you know, and the SEC had the blueprint for this because I think the ACC probably started too soon, and that's why you saw this JV level type football. I think the Big Twelve same boat. Uh, this is why you kind of see this JV level football. I think, you know, and we'll see. The proof will be in the pudding uh, this coming week with the SEC. Um, but I, I think the SEC did the right thing initially by waiting. I think they're going to get a. It might not be a, a significantly better product, but it will be a better product than what the ACC put out in game one. So. I think the Big Ten had a chance to do that. I think they had a chance to say, okay, we're not going to start on time. Then that's okay. I think everybody would have been fine with that. We're not going to start on time. Okay, we already announced that we're playing a conference-only schedule. I think people were fine with that. And then they just went knee-jerked and canceled. And so I think when you cancel, that sets everything back. And so you get all this backlash uh, because I guess at the time things were trending in a direction that uh, was a positive trend, with, especially with COVID cases. So, you know, you had a chance to say, okay, we're just going to delay it. We're going to take it to mid-September. And then we're going to, you know, as we go, as we gather information, as as we see the trends in the numbers, we're going to wait. We're going to see what the trends are doing. And then by the time we get to mid-September, we'll have a better, we'll have a better eye of what's going on uh, nationwide with this whole COVID crisis. And then we can make a more better informed decision. And so, uh, there's been there's been some games played. Uh, obviously, there's teams that that have had outbreaks. Memphis had 42 cases. Uh, Georgia Southern has had 33 cases. Uh, there's been some of these group of five teams that have had a bunch of cases um, of COVID. 
do what you do with that information what you will. But I, I think it's one of those things where they had a chance to really kind of navigate that information, have fall camp going on like the SEC has this whole time, and, and really base your decision. I think you would have avoided that entire PR nightmare, and I think no one would have thought anything else of the Big Ten if they would have gone that route. If the Big Twelve, if the Pac-12 would have gone the same route, nobody would be saying, you know, nobody would be criticizing uh, the Big Ten for uh, the way they have been lately. So uh, it just shows that, you know, it's just lack of leadership because I, I think, you know, making knee-jerk reactions is, is a lack of leadership. I think getting, making well-informed decisions, whether or not that decision goes in the favor of the fans and players or, or not, I think ultimately if they would have waited till this till this date, evaluated it and canceled it, I think if you're just decisive and you're forthright with what you're doing, I think that makes it a little bit easier to digest. Um, now, I think things are going fairly well, relatively well with college football, so we'll see what kind of uh, when the SEC kicks off if, if there's any, any sort of deal. Uh, I think the NFL that uh, came out that the Texans and the Chiefs had zero positive cases when they tested. Uh, from their game uh, back last this past uh, actually a week ago, um, so that that's good. That's good news. So whatever the NFL is doing is working. So who knows? And uh, you know, I, I certainly think it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch this play out. I, I think you know it, it's great news that the Big Ten is back in. I think Ohio State is is relieved. Justin Fields is relieved that he's going to get to play. You know, he, you know, he wants a national championship, obviously. He he obviously doesn't need to play for for draft purposes, but you know you'll start to see some guys opt back in that were opted out in the uh, in the Big Ten. So, um, I know my I know one of my really good friends, um, the host of the Believe in Vanderbilt Football podcast. I know he'll be excited. He's a he's a Badger fan. Um, he's a uh, Wisconsin Badger uh, Vandy fan, uh, and I think he's uh, obviously he's a Vandy fan, but. He is uh, he's more of a Badger fan, so he'll be excited. Uh, we'll have a lot to talk about on Illegal Motion tonight as well. That's the other podcast that I appear on, so that'll be fun. Uh, and, and we'll talk. Uh, Josh and Matt are two Big Ten guys, so we will uh, we'll probably dive more into this on that show. So so, so check that out too as well. And so uh, with that, um, I'm going to get into some picks uh, before I wrap up the show. Uh, our our sponsors at BetOnline.ag has given me a great avenue. To, to try some of this stuff out. I, I haven't really got into big number bets as far as uh, a lot of dollars. I've stuck with the ten, 5 and $10 bets uh, as far as the games go, but it's been a lot of fun uh, being on betonline.ag, and I appreciate them sponsoring the show and giving me that avenue of uh, getting on these betting sites because I, I think it's fun to make some of these bets as long as you're you know not killing yourself financially. So, uh, But here's some picks, okay? I'm going to give you some NFL picks, and I'm going to give you some college football picks that I really like. Uh, again, as I said earlier, the college football games, uh, there's a ton of horrible lines uh, that I would avoid. Um, but I think I'm going to take Louisville plus two. I'm going to take Wake Forest plus two over NC State. Obviously, Louisville plus two over Miami. Um, I, I think Wake Forest is a team that's playing. I thought they played about as good as they could against Clemson. I mean, Clemson's going to make anybody look bad, so it's tough to judge. So I, I like Wake Forest. Uh, in that game, because I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna come out and perform. Uh, I'm taking in the Notre Dame USF game. Um, I'm not taking the line, which I think Notre Dame is favored by 25 points. That's way too many. That's way too many points. Um, but then again, I'll, I'll take. I would take USF in uh, plus 25, and then uh, Notre Dame would beat them by 40. So 
Uh, I'm just going to take the over on that. The over under is 48, so I'm going to take the over uh, on, at 48. And then the rest of the games, I, I'm not going to advise you to bet on those uh, because uh, I don't want you coming back and saying, well, you told me to bet on that. I, I bet $2,000 on Notre Dame, and they won by 35. What are you doing? Yeah, it, I'm, not, I'm not touching that, not even with a 10-foot pole. Um, and I wouldn't bet it, it with your money. You know, I, If you gave me your money to bet for me, I wouldn't do it. So, uh, if that tells you, whatever that tells you, that's that's what I'm telling you. All right, NFL games. Uh, I like the Rams minus one. Uh, I parlayed that with the over. Uh, the over under set at forty. I think that's low for a team like the Eagles and the Rams. I think both teams will score uh, over twenty four points. I think that'll be kind of like a twenty eight twenty four type type game. Uh, two evenly matched teams, but I think the Rams are have the slight advantage there. It's a pick 'em game, so I think you go either way with that. Um, and I think the money line is is about equal as far as the underdog and the uh, and the favorite. Um, I like Carolina plus nine and a half. Uh, I think they're you know I think they'll cover that spread. I I don't think Tampa Bay is quite ready to to uh, blow out a team yet. Um, and and I think uh, Carolina is good enough with Teddy Bridgewater to at least keep it close. Um, whether or not Tampa Bay wins or not, I don't know. I think Carolina has a good chance to win outright because I just don't think Tampa Bay is quite there yet. Uh, I don't think Mike Evans is playing in this one either, uh, so that takes a huge weapon, liter- literally and figuratively, off the field for the Bucks. So I'm taking Carolina plus nine and a half. Uh, the Saints minus five and a half. I, I like them uh, over Las Vegas. New Orleans might be one of the best teams in the entire NFL. Las Vegas is probably the exact opposite. I think it's going to be uh, kind of a blowout. So I might actually go and make a real bet on that. But if I were you and I had a little bit more comfortable betting room, uh, I would bet New Orleans minus five and a half. Uh, and the Cardinals minus seven. Um, I like that. Uh, I think they're playing really well. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is pr- proving to be a vital piece to that offense for Kyler Murray. Um, I like them. Uh, I'm kind of nervous about that bet. I'll be honest. Um, but if you really pressed me for it, I would I would take them minus seven um, over uh, in, in their game. So uh, those are those are my picks. Those are the ones that I would bet uh, as far as as far as that goes. Those are ones that I would feel most comfortable betting. Now I'm not a comfortable better by nature, so. Yeah, who knows? So, um, hopefully it goes. Hopefully it goes well. Um, you know, again, I I I used to be really good at picking point spreads, but the way the NFL is playing right now, it's really difficult. But those are games I feel confident in because you know I, I saw the Rams play Monday night against Dallas, and they looked they looked impressive. Carolina is a team that uh, you know you have you have a guy like Christian McCaffrey, you have a guy. Uh, in quarterback like uh, Teddy Bridgewater, they're going to score some points and they're going to keep this thing close and their defense is going to play, play well. And I just don't think Tampa Bay's in sync. So I'm very confident in that new Orleans again, um, they're just good. They're just a great team. Uh, whether or not they have Michael Thomas, I don't think that matters in this one. I think they, I think they, I think they roll. Uh, the, the one that really makes me the most nervous is though, Arizona. So um, with that, um, I'm going to wrap the show. Uh, glad the big 10 is back in the boat. Uh, they start October 23rd. Uh, that weekend, uh, week two of college football, uh, some some interesting matchups in the ACC. Uh, Big Twelve, I have no idea. Um, I'm kind of not watching the Big Twelve, uh, but I'll take I'll take a look at the uh, the uh, ACC. Uh, Louisville, Miami intrigues me the most. I want to see what both of those programs do. One's trending up, one's trending down. We'll see which one continues to trend in that direction, or if, or if any of them uh, break that trend. So uh, with that, I am. Your host, Corey Burton. I'm also uh, affectionately known as the coach on, on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. 
Again, I'd like to thank our sponsor, betonline.ag. They've provided me with not only a, a sponsorship, but they've provided me with a little bit of comp, uh, content as far as betting lines. I can direct people uh, somewhere to make these betting lines. I've not always known where to go. Uh, now I do. So uh, the Believe Podcast Network, uh, great place to be. Uh, this show is a great place to be. If you haven't caught up on all, the, all, on all of the other episodes, please do so. I had a great sit down with uh, Brent Rollins and Dane Young, uh, both of UGASports.com and Brent of also PFF. Uh, pro football focus. Um, I've had some good episodes here in the uh, here in the most recent the most recent episodes. Israel Troop was a great guest. I'm going to welcome him back at some point, um, maybe as a recurring guest. Uh, so that's something to look forward to. And I'm going to have Kyle Sutherland on. Uh, we're going to do hogs versus dogs next week. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, it's going to be a great episode. So for that, uh, I am Corey Burton. This is the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. You can find us on social media at Believe in Dogs on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And as always, have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend, and go dogs. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.